to the Train Your Mind podcast. I'm Vanessa Forrester, and I teach athletes how to up-level their performance without buying that next fancy bike, training more, or even racing more. Your next breakthrough performance is closer than you think. Are you ready to train your mind like you train your body? Stick around, and I'll teach you how. What's up, athletes? And welcome back to the podcast. Or as Leslie Jones says, athletes. Welcome, athletes. Gosh, I love her so much. I love her so much. Okay, throwing it back a bit, but if you haven't seen Leslie Jones on Late Night with Seth Meyers, I think it was for the 2018 Winter Olympics. If you haven't seen it, you need to Google it today, like immediately. She is fire. And our commentary on this year's games is giving me life. If you're not following on Instagram, you definitely need to do that too. If she could follow me around and like comment on my life, I mean, come on. That would be like the best thing ever, right? Okay. On the topic of Olympics, let's get into this week's episode, shall we? I want to talk about pressure. In light of the news around Simone Biles and her courageous act to withdraw from competition, I want to talk about where the problem with pressure stems from and what we can all learn from the most decorated gymnast of all time. First and foremost, I want to be really clear that pressure is not always a bad thing. It is 100% possible to experience pressure and perform at a high level. Most of us have, I'm sure, and of course Olympians do it quite often. The problem is how our culture defines mental toughness and the expectations that are put on high performers. And what the Olympics does is highlight on the biggest stage what athletes at our level experience too. We have a cultural problem, like a really bad cultural problem. Doing more is praised, rest is frowned upon, and the expectation is to do all of the things at a high level all of the time whether that's sport, work, life, etc., all the things. And what has happened is it's become so ingrained in us that even as more people challenge this antiquated thinking and disrupt the norm, like Simone and Naomi Osaka, we have a hard time doing things differently in our own lives. So we've become busier, overworked, and stressed off the race course, and overtrained and tired, injured, and anxious on the race course. All the while, we're looking at our competitors on social media and Strava, which of course is only the highlight reel, to feed this cycle of, well, if they're doing it, I must need to do it too. We have yet to normalize a softer approach, a more humane approach, because so often athletes don't feel comfortable showing it or expressing it or even being an example of it. So back to what I mentioned just a bit ago, The problem is how our culture defines mental toughness and those expectations that are put on us as high performers or even anybody in, in, uh, in our culture. I've said this before and I will say it until I'm blue in the face. I am so over the harden the fuck up mentality. I'm over it. And it's as if it's the only way for us to achieve more. That's why it's become so, and it's like catchy, right? but we think it's the only way for us to achieve more because that's what the world thinks it means to be mentally tough, 
to push through any and all adversity, to do what needs to be done, to get the job done, no matter the the consequences. Even I was looking this up, online definitions say that mental toughness describes the mental state of athletes who persevere through difficult sports circumstances to succeed, which just reading that or just hearing that, it doesn't sound like a problem. But the question I want to pose here for all of you to consider is this. What does it mean to you to persevere through circumstances? And what does it mean to succeed? Because therein lies your conscious and subconscious response to pressure and the ask to be mentally tough. Because if your answer is limited to only one possibility, then you're more likely to fall victim to this detrimental version of mental toughness. What if to persevere and to succeed are to come out more human on the other side. So on an earlier podcast episode, I said something that is even more relevant now. So let me go ahead and quote myself, okay? (laughs) I said, you have to tend to your humanness to improve your performance as an athlete. And I stand by that because when you tend to your humanness, you meet yourself where you're at, taking into account all of the circumstances, and then making decisions in the best interest of you. That is what is available as an alternative. And that is what Simone Biles so beautifully showed us this week. And that's very often what I help athletes see for themselves in the work that we do together. Maybe you're, you're similar. You have this feeling that there must be a different way, but you're not sure where to start, how to create this in your own life and training. Well, I'm here to tell you that mental toughness isn't what's missing from your performance or what's holding you back from your best performance. What Simone Biles showed us amidst wildly high amounts of pressure was self-compassion. Pressure is defined as the use of persuasion or influence or intimidation to make someone do something. Of course, that pressure can be external or internal. It can be like coming from people, other things, other people, other things around us, or It can be from us, right? That's the internal version. Self-compassion is extending compassion to oneself in instances of perceived inadequacy, failure, or general suffering. Self-compassion is a sort of remedy for pressure. It is what's missing from performance. So I'm going to share the four steps to practicing self-compassion. But before I do that, I want to tell you why self-compassion is a practice skill and why it's not our go-to. Again, cultural conditioning supports the go, go, go until you can't go anymore, do more, deal with it, and just perform. And because of that, athletes often have a fear response to a softer approach. There are often these beliefs circling that when you slow down, meet yourself where you're at, rest when you need, make a different decision, or take some time to feel emotion that the result is complacency, that you'll lose your edge. It's like the train is full steam ahead and if it slows down, it might not get to full speed again. But that's just not true. And I want, what I want you to take from this episode is a train that slows down is actually saving fuel to go faster later. That edge you have to go for more, to set and go after bold goals, to push yourself to new heights doesn't just go away when you practice self-compassion. No, no, no. It's actually 
elevated the more you practice self-compassion. And that's because that edge, that edge is rooted in who you are and what your goal means to you. That doesn't just go away. Like for me, when I think about my goal to podium at Kona next year, I set that goal because it feels impossible. And I love the butterflies that come from thinking about the athlete I will become between now and then. But not just the athlete, the human, the person I will become. I love to think about how I will need to think differently and show up differently to achieve that goal. That's who I'm working towards. So if or when I have a training session or even a whole day that asks of me to practice self-compassion, I'm not worried about losing sight of that goal or getting complacent in my training, micro-quitting more or caring less. The goal remains strong. The compelling reason remains strong. The approach requires a few soft edges. This is having a sense of self-awareness. This is knowing who you are as a person, including your values, your emotions, and expectations, and working from that place in a very intentional way. Because we're human. We're not made of steel. So why would you use a hard approach only? So self-compassion. Let's come back there. We know what it is. We know what it looks like on the biggest stage in sport when the world is watching. But what does it look like for you and I? How do we practice it? These steps came from the research sports psychologist Aaron Ayala is doing with endurance athletes. They are so concise and actionable. I love them. So first up, be curious. The first step to self-compassion is to be curious. Be curious about your thoughts and feelings. Explore where they are coming from, what circumstances are triggering them, and what impact they are having on you. You don't know what you don't know. So the first step is to pay attention. Curiosity is such a powerful action. So next up is to acknowledge. Rather than ignoring or minimizing your feelings, acknowledge your challenges, your setbacks, and your hardships. Allow yourself to be human. What you feel in any given moment is 100% valid. And then next step is to understand and accept. Remember that a strong emotion is a sign that you care. Give yourself permission. Tell yourself it's okay to feel this way. And finally, the last step is to act. Ask yourself this simple question. What would be most helpful for me right now? In the Olympics, we only see those athletes at their very best. We don't see all of the other moments when they go through, when they must navigate these steps to ensure they can show up day in and day out. While pressure doesn't have to be a bad thing, how you respond is informed by how you treat yourself when things aren't going perfectly. So release the need to subscribe to the antiquated ideas of mental toughness and choose to be more self-aware and self-compassionate. Steve Magnus says, we have a fundamental misconception of what it means to be tough. It's not gritting our teeth through everything. It's having the space to make the right choice despite pressure, stress, and fatigue. And the way you make that space, my friends, is with self-compassion. The more willing you are to show yourself a different way, to define mental toughness differently, 
the more you're reinforcing a stronger relationship with yourself. And think about how that relationship translates to training and racing. The more confidence you have to go when it's, when it's time, the more trust you have in your body to perform and to reach your goals. And most importantly, the more trust you have to know when to step back when needed, which is the most courageous thing you can ever do. All right, my friends, that's it for this episode. So this weekend, uh, Danny, my husband and I are headed to Lake Tahoe for his massive endurance event, the Tahoe Rim Triathlon. I've been joking that if you Google it, you won't find anything. It's his self-created uh, endurance event. And I promised to have him on the podcast and I will deliver soon. So we're both headed to Tahoe. We're going to take on something we've never done before. Him is he's swimming 22 miles across Lake Tahoe, mountain biking, the Tahoe rim trail, and then running it in the opposite direction, all in less than seven days. And I will be crew chief, a role I've never taken on before, but I'm really, really excited to do it for him, especially because I'll have a front row seat to the mental and physical endurance that he will be pulling on to get across his finish line. I've seen it all through training, and now I am honored to be there to witness it in person, actually at Tahoe. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to bringing him on the podcast so you can hear more about his event, why he's doing it, what it means to him, and then on the other side of completing it. So I will talk to you next time. Hey, it's me again. If you want more juicy tips on how to train your mind, hop on my email list. The link is in the show notes. As soon as you join, I'll send you the 10 triathlon truths your tri coach hasn't told you. And then I'll drop in your inbox weekly with new tips that will change the way you train and race. See you there.